Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. Today's case is out of North Dakota. A man goes to work and doesn't come home. Most assume that he walked off the job because he was upset his vacation time wasn't approved, but his family knows him better than this. They say this isn't what happened at all. Their intuition is proven true three years later when we find out what really happened. I first heard about this one through the Generation Y podcast, and it stuck with me. Aaron and Justin, as always, did an amazing job covering this case. I hope I can do it justice. My sources are listed in the description area. I tried to only get my research from sites and articles that I know the family has shared and endorsed. This is the case of Eric Hyder. This story takes us back to 2012. It's hard to believe it was 10 years ago. There was Hurricane Sandy, which was the second most costly hurricane in U.S. history. Barack Obama was reelected for a second term. There was the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School. The average cost of a house was $263,000. The average life expectancy was 78 years old. It's only 79 years old today in 2022. And lastly, because I needed some kind of happy news from 2012, the Mars rover Curiosity touched ground on Mars on August 5th. Everyone working at NASA was on TV cheering, and it was a really good time. Eric Heider was born the same year as me. He was born June 9th, 1981. At the time this story takes place, he is 30 years old. He has a girlfriend named Jody. He has a young daughter named Bryn, who is only 12 years old at the time this story takes place in 2012, and a son named Michael. I don't know much about Michael or even his age, but I just know he has a son from reading his obituary. His sister, Nicole, passed away, and he has two brothers named Robin and John. His mother's name is Mary Ellen. Eric has had some hard things medically going on in his life. He truly defied a lot of odds. He was born premature with only a 50% chance of surviving. He was this tiny little baby who eventually grew to over six foot tall, but he had a lot of physical therapy he attended as a kid due to complications from being premature. He was born deaf in one ear and partially deaf in the other. He had to learn sign language as a kid. He had a lot of complications with his heart and had had several several strokes during his 20s. When he was just 27 years old, which is three years before the story takes place, Eric had surgery to have a pacemaker installed in his chest. A pacemaker, if you're not familiar with them, it's a small electronic device that helps to control your heartbeat. It prevents your heart from beating too slow. Eric had a few run-ins with the law, but those days were over. He learned from them and he grew as a person. You guys know how people like to describe a good person by saying he would give you the shirt off his back. Well, Eric actually did that once. He literally gave the shirt off of his back to a stranger who needed it for a job interview. Eric loves the outdoors, fishing, boating, camping, and being on the water. He loved his children, his girlfriend, and his family. Just an all-around good dude. His mother, Mary Ellen, said, quote, He may have had a weak heart medically, but he had a heart of gold, and he cared so deeply for others. Eric works for a company named Cofell Plumbing and Heating. He had just started three weeks before, and Eric works on a crew of six men, and they had been working on a sewer main project off Highway 22 in Dickinson, North Dakota. 
They all meet at a spot in Bismarck and then carpool together to Dickinson since it was an hour and a half away. The morning of May 24th, 2012, Eric's mom dropped him off at the pickup location. He told her he loved her. He got out of the car and got in the work truck with the other men. They would all arrive back around 6.30 p.m. and Eric's girlfriend Jody would pick him up. Except today that didn't happen. Eric wasn't there when Jody arrived. We learned that after Eric was dropped off by his mother, he got in the work vehicle and the crew drove out to Dickinson where they would begin their day. Now, Eric wasn't crazy about this job. He has told his mom and girlfriend that the safety conditions at this job were sketchy and reckless. They also rushed the work and he just wasn't really feeling it. But you guys know the old saying, you don't quit a job unless you have another job ready to start on Monday. This is the predicament Eric is in. He wants to quit, but he has to wait until he solidifies a different job first, which is understandable. He's only been employed there for three weeks. Eric doesn't really interact much with his coworkers. He's quiet and just stays to himself. Many times they go out to lunch and Eric just kind of hangs out separately and talks on the phone. Remember, this job site is remote and there's not much around, so they have to drive out to town just to find a fast food place or somewhere to get gas. Today's job included working in a trench. So one of the workers had cut the pipe too short and put a splice with two couplings in, and Eric is going to get down in there and check for leaks. The issue is that Eric isn't supposed to be doing this since he was hired to be a top groundsman, so he's supposed to stay above ground. It's a different pay grade if you have to go below ground. Eric asks his crew foreman, a man named Jack, if he can have his vacation time approved for the upcoming Memorial Day weekend. Jack declines, though. He tells Eric since he just started, he can't go taking days off this early. The crew goes to Wendy's, and Eric sits by himself and talks to his girlfriend Jody on the phone. Jody says her and Eric talked a lot on the phone during his breaks and on lunch. They return from lunch, and at 12.04 p.m., Eric's phone shows that he checked his voicemail. Jody shows up in the evening to pick Eric up at the location where they would get back. She's waiting around, and no one shows up. Jody tries to call Eric, but it's going straight to voicemail. She called a couple of his coworkers. I have no idea how she got their number, but they aren't answering their phones either. Jody calls Eric's mom, Mary Ellen, to ask if she had heard from him. She said not since this morning when she dropped him off at work. She tells Jody to call 911. Something is not right. They say parents, especially moms, have an intuition when something is not right with their kids. Mary Ellen knew something was wrong. Jody calls the police, but it's Friday evening and they're not in any hurry to investigate anything. It's the weekend shift and this is treated as a let's see what happens and if he isn't found, we'll investigate Monday morning kind of thing. Eric's family contacts hospitals and local jails to see if they happen to have him there, but no one has seen him. They even went to some of the businesses in the area he was in to see if he had stopped in, but no one recognized his photo. Eric's family and friends begin passing out flyers near this location, asking if anyone has seen him to call one of them right away. On Monday, the police show up to the job and finally begin questioning the coworkers. The crew foreman says on Friday, they all returned from Wendy's and went back to work. Within 15 minutes, they can't find Eric. 
They assumed he was upset and walked off the job because his vacation was declined. The problem is that there's really nowhere to go in this area. It's mainly just industrial type places around, warehouses and so on. He's also an hour and a half away from the drop-off location where they all met that morning. They think maybe he walked somewhere to cash his paycheck, which was given to him that morning. Again, there's nowhere around to do that. As well, Eric's family was given Eric's lunchbox and book bag, which were left on the job site and the workers took back with them. Inside Eric's lunchbox, his family sees his uncashed paycheck. They knew he never left to go cash his paycheck. If you get pissed off and leave a job site, you're going to take your paycheck with you. One of the problems is that everyone is like, he walked off because he was upset about his vacation being denied. But no one physically saw him walking away from the site. Eric was in and out of the trench. He was checking the couplings for leaks. He was picking up tools and bringing them out of the trench, which is strange because Eric is a top groundsman. He's not supposed to be underground at all. One of the workers begins backfilling a hole. This is 12.14 p.m., and the worker gets a call on his cell phone, which lasted five minutes. During this five-minute phone call, he was backfilling the hole with the excavator or backhoe or whatever kind of machine he was using. Meanwhile, no one can see Eric, and at 1.30 p.m., his foreman calls Eric's cell phone, but it goes straight to voicemail. Mary Ellen is upset because no one bothered to call her when Eric went missing. She was listed as his emergency contact and no one called her. I imagine to get this info, the foreman would have had to call into the office, talk to the HR manager, get Eric's contact number, and so on. He probably felt this wasn't warranted for an employee who just walked off. It was something reserved in the event that he was injured or whatever. The police ping Eric's phone so it will show the location it was last active before it went off, and it pinged in the area that they were working in. But they can't locate the phone. It's just showing it was last active in that area. It doesn't necessarily mean it's there. Eric could have turned it off and walked miles away without it being powered on. Mary Ellen says her son did not walk off the job. He is somewhere on that job site buried, and she wants answers. Five days after Eric disappeared, the police are going to excavate the ground where they believe Eric was last seen. They get blueprints of the job site from Eric's employer and begin digging every 12 inches. They bring in a dog that is trained to find drugs and suspects, not a cadaver dog, which is what you would need at this point. A cadaver dog will alert if there's a dead body. The police dog they brought in isn't trained for this. Now, there was an employee of a different company that was working in the area. Well, he comes running over while this dig is taking place. He says, hey, you guys are digging in the wrong area. He explains where they were working on Friday was in that direction over there and points to it. He says he's certain this is the spot because his men couldn't get their trucks through. The police tell him, well, we have the blueprints here from Cofell Corporation, and they're the ones that designed these, and they're the ones who were working here, so I'm sure they're correct. Another person comes over. This was an older guy who is a homeowner in the area who says that the day the men were working there, he sat on his porch and drank his coffee and was watching them. He says, you guys are digging in the wrong direction. They were filling a hole that was over there. The police tell him in not so many words, you're a crazy old man. We got the blueprints. We're digging where we were told by the crew they were working on, you know, that day. 
so go away. They end up getting rained out for the day, but come back the next day and tell Mary Ellen, today is when we are going to find him. We are confident of this. Go ahead and contact a funeral home so they can be prepared to take the body. We will find him today. They continue digging in the wrong direction, and then they hit a water main, and water goes everywhere. It's a mess, and the search is called off. As months passed, the company finished up their work on the job site and moved on. This was devastating to Mary Ellen, who said, This has been an ongoing living nightmare for all of us. This has turned our family upside down. I do believe in my heart that he is no longer with us, but I just pray that somebody has the decency to come forward out of respect for his daughter, if nothing else. We'll never stop looking or hoping until we find Eric. Mary Ellen says many nights she thought about going to the job site and covering the ground up with a blanket because she didn't want him to get cold. That is heartbreaking. What else is heartbreaking is the lack of empathy she received from the police at this time. They told her, quote, he's not here. Face the fact you don't know your son and he walked off. Another detective told her, if I would have known he was a criminal, I wouldn't be wasting my time looking. Mary Ellen was deeply hurt by these comments and told them he's still my son. He is a person. Six months after Eric's disappearance, Eric's case is labeled a cold case, which is unreal that it would be declared that so soon. DNA is taken from Mary Ellen and also Eric's daughter, Bryn. That way it can be entered into a database and compared to DNA if a body is ever found. For three years, Mary Ellen and the rest of Eric's family wondered what happened. Was Eric accidentally buried while his coworker was backfilling the hole and talking on the phone? Between this operator being distracted while working and Eric being partially deaf, it would make sense that this could have been a workplace accident while Eric was in the hole. Or did something more sinister happen? Was Eric killed and then thrown in the hole and then buried? Eric's family hires a private detective to assist with searching for Eric. The guy's name is withheld and he gets right to work. He does some looking around the job site and decides the hole where the folks said the men were working needs to be dug up. Remember the homeowner and the guy from the other company who came over and told the police they were digging in the wrong direction? Now, he can't just hire an excavator operator and start digging, though. He's got to get permits and permission from the landowner and so on. He gets all this done, though. And on May 21st, 2015, this is almost three years to the day since Eric went missing. They begin digging. They get about six feet down and they see a red glove sticking up out of the dirt. The detective walks over and places the hand inside of his and says, Hello, Eric. We've been looking for you. Sorry, that whole scene just replays in my mind, and it's probably a, a really emotional moment for everyone. The police are called, and they finish digging, and the rest of Eric's body is found intact and well-preserved. He's in a crouched position, just like he was working to make sure a coupling was sealed. His hard hat was pushed down onto his face so hard it broke his nose. Just to be completely blunt with you guys, Eric was buried alive. The police tell the family a body was discovered, but they have to first confirm if it is even Eric. 
really. <laughs> I understand formality, but everything about this is annoying me, especially the fact that Eric's body was found 10 feet from where the police were digging three years earlier. His cell phone, tape measure, and wallet were located on him. His body was still in good condition considering he had been underground for three years. Eric's body was transferred to the University of North Dakota Forensics Lab for a complete examination. Remember me telling you Eric had a pacemaker installed? Well, this little device is going to give them a big clue. Eric's pacemaker stopped at 12.19 p.m. that day. Remember, at 12.15 p.m., was when the coworker started backfilling the hole while talking on the phone for five minutes. Eric's lungs did not contain dirt in them. What likely happened was he was knocked out and went unconscious and then passed away quickly. His cause of death was listed as undetermined. Jay Cofell, who is the owner of Eric's company that he was working for, released a statement that he was very sorry to hear that the body was confirmed to be Eric. He also said they are fully cooperating with police. My thoughts and prayers are with the family and those friends, relatives, and coworkers. Police once again questioned the coworkers who were with Eric that day. The guy who was backfilling on his phone refused to cooperate and told them they'd have to talk to his lawyer. The state's attorney decides he is not going to file charges against the company or the co-worker who was backfilling the hole that day. Eric's family started a protest demanding action take place. Someone needs to be held accountable. Still to this day, no one from the company has reached out to the family or tried to settle the whole thing financially. Keep in mind, the company likely has a lawyer who is telling them not to speak to the family or offer condolences because that could be an admission of guilt. Even OSHA couldn't do anything because of the statute of limitations. In North Dakota, the statute of limitations for negligent homicide expires after three years. According to something I read on Facebook by a page called The Briefcase Files, who covered this case, Mary Ellen received Eric's body back, and it was in an infant bag, along with separate bags containing feet and hands, and one bag containing his hair and body tissue, which is weird. They held a memorial service for him. Mary Ellen had him cremated because she said that he spent three years in the ground alone, and she wasn't about to put him back there, which is understandable. But on May 24th, 2022, which is 10 years after Eric passed away. She had his ashes buried in a cemetery. She still has no closure with this. She just wants answers and for someone to finally take responsibility, whether this was an accident or on purpose, she deserves answers. Eric's daughter Bryn is in her early 20s now with a son of her own, and she is very active on the Justice for Eric Hyder page. She posts videos talking about her dad, and they're so incredibly sad, and my heart breaks for her. I lost my dad at 28, and I can't imagine losing him at age 12. This story really drives it home to listen to the person's people, if that makes sense. Those that are close to the victim. They knew he didn't walk off the job. Imagine if they would have believed that he did. They would still be searching for Eric, believing he's living another life somewhere and, and alive. At the time of this recording in July of 2022, Eric's case is officially closed. I'll post a link in case you guys want to make a donation to the family. 
That's it for this week. Again, my sources are listed in the description area. Rest in peace to Eric. I hope you know how much your family loves and misses you. Take care and much love to you all.